And today I want to talk to you about how to get more. It's a very simple idea, but it's very profound. If you grasp this idea, it will change your life forever. And I mean that. You know, a lot of promises are made. This is a one you can bank on. You can write a check to. This is going to happen. Okay. And I want to take you to a passage of Scripture. I'm going to take you to three passages of Scripture, and we're going to look at these and see the similar point in all three passages. Okay, and I want you to look at it. It says in Mark 9 is the story. It says, when they had returned to the other disciples, Jesus has come down from Mount Transfiguration, and he sees a problem. They saw a large crowd surrounding them, that is the disciples, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with him. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to meet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. And I asked your disciples to heal him, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I put up with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Then he says to the father, as I've cut some verses out, Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Afterwards, so then he healed the boy. And then afterwards, when the Jesus was alone in the house with the disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Imagine being at the scene of this miracle. Imagine being at the bottom of the mountain. This man comes up to Jesus' apostles and says to them, I want you to heal the son. He has problems, he's mute, he's, you know, he's got all these issues and challenges. I want you to heal them. And of course, the disciples tried praying, nothing happened. Tried declaring, nothing happened. Then Jesus comes down the mountain, sees the commotion, sees the Pharisees now arguing with him, them about something, and he heals the boy. If you are part of the crowd watching that, and as you walked home with a friend, I wonder what you would have been saying about what you just saw. Wow, I thought the disciples were better than that. You would have had opinions about what just happened. Why didn't that happen? You had questions and you would have gone home with questions unanswered. On the other hand, the disciples who are also flummoxed, I like that word, who are perplexed by their lack of ability to do the job they were called to do, take Jesus aside while they're having lattes and enjoying focaccia bread, they talk about what just happened and they say to Jesus, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus begins to explain to them and open their eyes and they get understanding that the crowd who just walked off never got. They just saw something happen, walked off with, wow, that was amazing, but what was going on? Questions unanswered. Disciples, questions answered. Second story I want to take you to is in John 2. This is a story, the first uh, miracle of Jesus where he turned the water into wine. And it says this, when the master, so standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Ooh. Anyway, each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Ooh, dirty water in a wine. Okay. Anyway, we won't go there. Jesus told the servants, fill the, oh, they were empty. That's good. Phew. Fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out, take it to the master's ceremony. So the servants followed his instructions. 
When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew. Everybody say, the servants knew. All right. He called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first. Then when everyone is drunk, he brings out the least expensive wine. But you've kept the best wine till now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. I want you to imagine you're at that wedding. There's no wine. It's run out. There's table seven. He's been drinking all the grog, been drinking all the wine, right? We call it grog in Australia. So drinking all the wine and uh, Mary, Jesus' mother, tells the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And Jesus says, go fill those, those pots with water. Now start pouring. And those servants watched in absolute amazement in the first miracle. This is the first miracle. No miracles have been done up to this point. First miracle, servants are on the inside and they're pouring out water and they're watching the water turn to wine right in front of their eyes. Right, right in front of their eyes, they're watching a miracle as they perform the pouring, miracle starts to happen. And of course, the leader of the, of the, the MC of the, uh, of the wedding was shocked at how beautiful the wine tastes. And now let's go to after the wedding. The guests have gone home, mostly inebriated uh, and definitely enjoying the last bit of the wine. But the servants who have cleaned up now are now going home. What are the guests talking about? Well, they may be talking about the bride's dress or they're talking about, uh, you know, what a great party it was and all that kind of stuff and all the superficial stuff. It was a good time. Yeah, it was a great time, blah, blah, blah. What are the servants talking about? Wow, did you see that? Did yours turn into wine too? What? Yeah, mine did too as well. Wow. Yeah, did yours? Yeah. They had taken these big pots and they had watched it and their lives were changed. But not only their lives, the other people who had been watching were the disciples. And it says here that after this incident, the disciples believed in Jesus because they'd been on the inside of the miracle, whereas the reception guests had received the miracle. They'd received the wine from the miracle, but they'd not been on the inside of the miracle being created. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? Now let's go to another passage of Scripture. It's very famous. We understand it. It's the feeding of the 5,000. And it says this, When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took with them, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. Jesus welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countrysides and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. And Jesus replied, no, no, you give them something to eat. They answered, but we don't have anything except five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. And he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50 each the disciples did so and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. Then all the people, maybe 20,000 people, all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 baskets 
of broken pieces that, pieces that were left over. In other words, one for each of them. They had one basket of food left after they've done the distribution. Now, imagine that crowd. They're hungry. They've come to hear Jesus. They're excited about his words. They've seen some healings. They're excited. And now they're hungry, right? And murmuring, going through the crowd. Jesus senses they're hungry. And disciples sense they're hungry. Send them away. Jesus says, no, no, you feed them. What do you mean us feed them? Where are we going to, you know, in other in other. In other, uh, what's the word, other gospels, he says, where are we going to find the food for all these people and the money to pay for it? Jesus says, what have you got? He said, we have five loaves and two fish. Bring it to me. Jesus blessed the five loaves, the two fish, broke them and began to give them out to each disciple. Portions, I'm sure equal portions of each, right? Now the disciples are giving it out and as they're giving out the fish, breaking it off, more is appearing, as they go through hundreds of people now, thousands of people, they're in shock and awe, right? They are looking and going, oh my goodness, this bread has just fed three and a half thousand people in my aisles. Are you joking? There's still more coming. And as they broke it off, they watched the miracle happen. Now, at the end of the day, the crowd was so excited. We ate everything we needed. We were full and satisfied. They walked home and they said, wow, Mary, that Jesus is generous. Wow, those guys must have a, have a deal with Panera Bread because look, they brought in all this stuff for us, right? And, and, and wow, wasn't it amazing? So hospitable, Jesus, this Jesus guy is. I mean, where did he get the money to pay for everybody? But wow, that was amazing. They were walked home filled in their bellies and amazed in their mind that Jesus was so kind and generous and the disciples had been so uh, diligent and giving them the food. And on the other hand, the disciples were in shock and awe. Why? Because being on the inside, they had watched the miracle actually happen in front of their eyes. One was a recipient of the miracle. One helped create the miracle and participated on the inside of the miracle. Three stories, and I could go through another 25 to show you, because what's really interesting to me is the same people that ate the food, many of them, the same, uh, same bread and the same fish also stood and shouted, crucify him. The same people who received the miracle wanted him executed. Not all of them, but some of them for sure. You're joking. If you'd got a miracle like that, you would be for Jesus forever. Well, apparently not. They receive all these amazing miracles on the outside. They get to see people healed. They see these things happen and they still turn against Jesus. But the disciples and these others, it would seem to me, did not turn against Jesus, but followed Jesus all the way. What was the difference between the crowd who got all they wanted, the wedding guests who got all they wanted, the crowd who saw this miracle of a little boy being completely healed, the difference between what they experienced, which was profound. If you and I saw a little boy healed like that in church, we think we'd be, wow, this is amazing. Revival, you know, God's breaking out in a way that we've never seen. And we think that would be enough to keep us following Jesus the rest of our lives. But apparently not. Because the miracles that came to the people that watched the miracles 
wasn't enough to convince them. So think about how we, the church, have prayed. God, do this miracle, because then the outsiders all come. Yes, they may all come, but they'll all go too. What's the difference? And I want to bring this to you. If we want more in 24, let me tell you the one simple secret. The one simple secret is this. When you're on the inside of the miracle, it goes deep into your heart. When you're on the outside of the miracle, it goes to the superficial level of your emotions. When you're part of creating a miracle, there's a greater chance that you'll go upwards and onwards. You'll get more because being an insider gives you an advantage. When you're an outsider, we know this about life. If you're an outsider, you have more hoops to jump through. When you're an insider, you don't. The crowd could not ask Jesus why the disciples couldn't cast the demon out, but the disciples could because they were on the inside. The insiders had special privileges. The crowd only got some, some loaves and some fish. The disciples got baskets of fish, an overflow pouring into them. Can you see that? You think about uh, the whole insider idea, right? Whether it's basketball tickets, concerts, restaurants, right? Being around Jesus or church, those on the inside always get more. Those on the inside always get more. More access, more hospitality, more understanding, more favour. They just get more. The person on the inside always gets the best of things. The person on the outside just sees it happening. That's why it says in Psalm 103, is an amazing verse, God made known his ways to Moses, but only his deeds to the people of Israel. The people of Israel watched the water come out the rock. They watched the manna and the quail, and they still didn't believe, right? And they died in their unbelief. Moses became the friend of God, knew the ways of God. What does that mean? Well, you can see my actions, but if I know your ways, I know what's really going on behind the scenes. If I see your actions, I can just see what you're doing. But if I know your ways, I understand deeply why you're doing it, what you're doing. Does that make sense? The insider. Have you ever wondered, let's go to the financial world. Have you ever wondered why insider trading is illegal? That some of our esteemed colleagues in Congress uh, sometimes attempted to participate in. Notice the way I carefully worded that. Because why is it illegal? Because if you get an inside tip of a stock that's about to go off the charts and you're able to trade on that information, what do you get? You get an advantage. Not only do you get an advantage, but you become rich because the insider tip gives you the tip. It's like getting, you know, it's like being given an inside tip about anything, any race, right? If you know this guy's gonna throw the fight and you've got the tip about that and you put all your money on that boxer, guess what? You're gonna make millions. The insider is always at the advantage. The outsider is always at the disadvantage. Okay. So what keeps people? So I guess, what's the point, Pastor Ashley, of this message? If you want more, you have to be on the inside. Being on the inside just gives you easy access to more. So can I say this to you? I shared this on the first week of this, this uh 
series, and I want to show you that picture again and read to you Psalm 81. How do you get more? This is the picture. These chickens, these little birds, not chickens, these birds. <laughs> I looked at the birds, the little birds first, so I, I failed Sesame Street. But the point is, the point is, those little chicks with their mouths wide open attract the attention of the mother who has the food. If you want more, God says, open wide your mouth. Okay? That means being curious. That means being intentional. That means being on the inside of the miracle. God is doing miracles in this church. Can you feel it? What we heard today from Bobby was an incredible miracle. What a great, that was so good. Every week, I mean, I just come to church for Jesus changed everything. Right? It's so awesome to see that God is doing miracles in the lives of our people. The reason I've got that is because testimonials speak more than doctrine. Right? Seeing it. But I can tell you who got the most out of that story. Mum and dad. Why was there on the inside? They've been on the inside of the journey. We were going on. Yeah, that's fantastic, Bobby. But by tomorrow, we've forgotten it. They're living with a miracle every day. They're getting the benefit of the miracle every day because they're on the inside. Can you, see, you hear what I'm saying? Being on the inside matters. Okay? So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. So why do people stay on the outside? Think about church for now. We're, honestly, we're going to be finished in about seven minutes uh, and so on. But let me just say this. Why do people stay on the outside? Some of us here are on the inside, some of us on the outside. And this is not meant to make you feel bad. Stay on the outside if you want to. Have a disadvantage. <laughs> Seriously, stay in a place of disadvantage. That's your choice, right? But why do people stay in the place of disadvantage? I'll tell you why. It's fear. If I volunteer for something, that pastor's going to make me do it for 25 years. <laughs> it's a life sentence. You get less for murder. <laughs> Go to church and you're signed up for security for the next 25 years. That's not how we work. But this is how we work. You need to have a, commun a conversation with us, right? If your leader is not seeing what is happening and you need to move on and taking your next step, we believe in taking our next steps, growing, right? Going from serving to leadership and all the things that God has for us so that we can be part of what happened in Franklin, part of what's happening here. There are people here that are financial uh, you know, wizards and you're amazing at those things and we need you to be on the inside of how do we create the Mortgage Neutral Church 2.0? How do we do that, right? We're going to do it. We'd love you to be on the inside of that, not on the outside going, wow, good job. Rather, be on the inside. Why do people stay out? Fear. Secondly, is ignorance. I didn't realize being on the outside was such a bad thing. It's safe out here. Now you're right, it's dangerous in here because you might be told by Jesus to go feed all those people. That's dangerous. I'd rather, be the, I'd rather receive a hamburger than have to create them out of nothing. So it is dangerous. And ignorance and a lack of understanding that Jesus is with you will keep you out. Last thing is bad experiences. We've all been to churches where we've been hurt. If you haven't been to church and you haven't been hurt, you got saved last week. <laughs> I say this to people all the time. Over the years, I've said this. He was like, oh, the church hurt me. I said, right, can I ask you, let's back up now, let's move sideways and talk about a different situation. Have your parents hurt you? Did your brother hurt you? 
Has your sister hurt you? Who are the people that have hurt you the most in the world in your life? Family. Isn't that true? My family loves me the most and hurts me the most. Am I right or wrong? So if church is family, hello, it's both going to love you the most and hurt you the most. But if we could get over that, because we have good families out there, They've learned to get over their hurts and build great families. Well, why can't we do that in Alpharetta? Get over our previous hurt and build a great family. That's what we're doing. You can feel it, right? That's why we're going to two services. Why? Because we, there are more people that need to experience this. They need to get near you. There are people out there in Alpharetta that need to sit next to you. You may not think you're anybody you're sitting on the outside, but I want to tell you, you are a change agent for God that's so potent and powerful and full of God as dripping off you. Share it. So when someone sits next to you, right, who you don't know, and our church is great, so I'm talking to the choir, but someone sits next to you, don't let the pastor be the one to say hello. We do that anyway. What about if we all did it? So when people came, they were just shocked at the generosity, the hospitality, the love, the kindness. Be on the inside because that's where the miracles have the most impact. On the outside, you're just a recipient of an event. On the inside, you are creating a change of life. So I want to invite you to be on the inside. Just straight up. I'm an Aussie, so I just speak it straight, right? Come on the inside. Come on in. The water's fine. Come on the inside. Say, hey, we're going to two services. I don't want other Dream Team members having to serve two services and be taxing for them and not get to sit. I'm going to help, right? Be on the inside. You might go, well, in the churches I've been, there's only these opportunities. Here's what you get when you're on the inside. And this might not be of any value to you, so I'll say it at the risk of rejection. You get access to me. And you might like, that's exactly why I'm not on the inside. <laughs> but you get access to all the wisdom God's put in my life, all the experience, all of the counseling decades that I've done, all of the wisdom gifts that God's given me. And if you're lucky enough, you get Pastor Jane too. You get Pastor Ryan. You get our whole team, but then you get the leaders that are in our church as well. And suddenly your life instead of being on the outside, this kind of a little segment becomes enriched over and over and over and over again. We're about to launch small groups. Monday night, we, we do our small groups training. We've got about 30 people signed up for that. There's room for you. You might not want to see yourself as a leader, but what about a host of a, of a small group? Open your home. What about as an assistant leader? What about as a rise leader? You, you can sign up, come along to the training. Because when you're on the inside, you get access to things that you don't get when you're on the outside. Insiders always get the advantage. Outsiders always are at a disadvantage. Why do you think they call it the home game? Super Bowl today, where's it being played? In Vegas. So nobody has an advantage. Right? The house, yeah. The house has the advantage. House always wins. 
But, and I was watching this week where they were talking about the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and how they won these games on the road because you're not supposed to win the games when you're an outsider. The insiders, remember, if you, you know, if you, I saw a screen the other day and I can't remember which team was playing, might have been the Ravens, and it says, you're supposed to be quiet now. The visitors want you to be quiet. So do the opposite. That's what the home ground insider advantage is. We can make hell for the visiting team. That's an Australian word, by the way. You can make bad times for the visiting team. Right? And when you're the visiting team, it's not your change rooms. You're not an insider. But the insider home ground advantage. Have anyone ever heard of that? Home ground advantage. It's the same deal, right? It's the same concept. There's something better about being on the inside of a miracle than just being a recipient or seeing even Jesus change everything as good as that is. Be on the inside of those things. That's all I want to talk about today. Uh, but I just want to say this. There's no altar call you know, for you to sign up for anything. I'm not trying to get you to sign up because here's the deal. If you don't want to be on the inside, we'll drink all the wine. If you don't want to be on the inside, we'll make all the miracles. But if you do want to be on the inside, come and join us. Join in. I mean, we've got lots of people in our dream teams. So this is not, I don't, we don't need you because we have enough. But we want more. Why? Because I know the advantage. People, church people are funny, right? Because pastors don't explain it well. I don't need you, but I want you. That's a higher calling than need. I'm not needy in that way that I need you to help me. I'm actually trying to help you. I'm already seeing the miracles and I want you to come in. Come on in. The difference between our church and maybe a church you may have visited, I don't know, is that I don't sit in a green room waiting for church to start. I'm out meeting with the people. I'm out in the commons. Why? Because there should be an advantage to be an insider. You get part of everything. Makes sense? So I want us just to pray and I want to pray over you. And if you feel like, okay, God, 24, I want more. Remember, you get more on the inside than you get on the outside. I want you to talk to the Lord and say, God, I, I'm going I'm to be on the inside. Come to the leadership course. Come to the small groups. Come do rise. Get involved. Become a leader. You'll improve your own employment prospects and promotions by being a leader in the house. It's amazing how I see that happen all the time. Father, I pray for every one of these amazing people. We love them so much. Lord, we're about to, uh, the rocket's about to take off. We're about to go to two services. Lord, I just invite every one of them to the inside. Lord, for the insider's advantage, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to our hearts and help us, we pray in your mighty and wonderful name. Amen.